Good Friday. Last week, we started an alpha group for the first time, the 90th small group we've been in and the first one online. And every alpha course, we asked this on the first night. We asked the guests, if it turned out there was a God after all, and you could ask one question, what question would that be? And one young woman in the group asked this question. Where have you been? If you are God, why are you allowing all this to happen? Such a great question. COVID-19 is a horrible disease. So many people suffering. I suspect everyone watching this will know someone who has been on a ventilator or who has suffered and maybe even someone who's died. We've just got off the phone to great friends of ours who have lost their 26-year-old son. It is tragic. What's happening with the National Health Service to see so many doctors and nurses under such great pressure, people in the public eye suffering in a horrible way. And then there's the attack not just on our bodies, but also on our minds, the fear and the anxiety. I, I know I feel sometimes waves of fear because my wife, Pippa, had lung cancer uh, in November, had, had an operation, and that puts her in in the vulnerable category. And then in addition to all that, there's all the huge pressures people are under uh, because of the lockdown and uh, financial pressures and uh, just the, the, the mental health issues. And now we're hearing reports of suicides and so on. So this is, is a really horrible thing. But of course, it's not the first time there's been global suffering. Think back to 2004 and the tsunami where over 200,000 people died in, in Asia. And every day, 25,000 people die from starvation. Eight and a half thousand of those are children. Uh, I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a German Jew and many of his family had died in a horrific way in the Holocaust. And... That's one of the reasons I was an atheist. I didn't think there was any answer to why a good God could allow so much suffering in the world. And of course, this is a massive issue for Christianity because we believe that God is good. He's loving. We also believe he's all powerful. But if he's all good and loving, he'd want us to be happy. And if he's all powerful, he'd be able to do so. And the fact that there's so much suffering suggests that either he's not all good or he's not all powerful. And, of course, there's no simple answer to this. Theologians and philosophers have wrestled with this question for over 2,000 years, and no one's ever come up with a complete satisfactory answer. You know, I've had an attempt to answer why does God allow suffering in this little book, Searching Issues. And that's not a complete answer either, but it's a, it's a broader look at it. All I can do today is to look at Good Friday and ask this question, what insights does Good Friday give us into the issue of suffering and in particular into the issue of why God is allow, allowing what's happening in the world today. I believe the message of Easter has never been more relevant than it is today. I want to look at what insights come from Good Friday, four insights from Good Friday into this whole issue of suffering and in particular into the coronavirus, COVID-19. Here's the first one. God is with you. What Good Friday shows is that God himself, in the person of Jesus, 
has come to be part of our world and to suffer for us and to suffer with us. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. Just like we so admire the doctors and nurses in the NHS, some of them who've retired and are in a vulnerable category themselves, who have chosen to go back into the NHS, into the wards where they risk their lives in order to serve and to be with the people who are suffering. And in an even more remarkable way, God chose in Jesus to come and to be part of our world, not just to risk his life, but actually to give his life. He is the crucified God. God is not immune from suffering. He's not standing aloof in heaven when we suffer. He has come and suffered for us. The great writer, author, theologian, pastor John Stott said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. Jesus showed us how we should respond to suffering. He stood with people when they were suffering. He, he, he wept when his friend died. He had compassion on people. The word splank, splank it comes from the word which splankna, which means like our guts, our bowels. He felt it in his bowels. He was gutted when he saw suffering. He had compassion on the people and he resisted suffering wherever he found it. His heart broke when he saw it. Uh, and God does not stand aloof from suffering. He, what, the, what the cross tells us, the fact that Jesus died for us on Good Friday, shows that God is always with us when we are suffering. We may not always feel it. In fact, in my own experience, the time when I suffered perhaps the greatest bereavement that I've suffered in my life, I didn't feel God's presence. I had to trust that he was with me, even when I didn't feel it. And whatever you are feeling right now in your suffering, God is with you. Good Friday tells us that God is always with you. And here's the second insight from Good Friday into why God allows suffering. God loves you. God loves our broken world. Our world is broken. There was no suffering in God's original creation. It's only when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve broke that relationship with God, that suffering entered the world. There was no suffering in God's original plan. And one day there will be no more suffering when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no more pain. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more suffering, no more grief. But right now we live in a broken world. And that's a result of Adam and Eve get right back to humanity, breaking the relationship with God. But, but why did God allow that? Why did he allow this alien intrusion into his world? Because he loves us. He loves you. And love involves giving people freedom. Love is not love if it's forced. If you have to love, it's not love. 
But God gave human beings the freedom to love or not to love. And every time we choose not to love, people get hurt. And that's the reason that suffering entered the world is because of our choice not to love. Sometimes God actively judges sin in this life. But Jesus expressly rejected the automatic link between the suffering in this life and our sin. There's a whole book in the Bible, Job, about suffering, and it was about innocent suffering. And Jesus said this on one occasion, those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. It wasn't because of their sin that this uh, disaster happened, that disease happened. But he does add, but unless you repent, and things could get worse. And, and we, we do need to examine our hearts. And our prayer at the moment is, Lord, have mercy. We live in a broken world. All create, the whole of creation has been affected. It's not just us, human relationships. It's the whole creation. Thorns and thistles came into the world as a result of this broken relationship with God. And natural disasters and diseases are a result of living in a broken world. God doesn't send these, but he allows it because we're in a broken world. And on the cross, Jesus came to deal with that sin. He came to take the consequences of our sin on himself. On the cross, he was bearing your sin and my sin. That was what changed my life when I understood that Jesus had died for me. As the Apostle Paul puts it, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me he died instead of you and instead of me because he loves you that's what good friday tells us he loves you and the words that we're about to sing god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him should not die, but have eternal life.
the third insight into why God allows suffering that we get from Good Friday is this. God will turn it for good. It's called Good Friday. Suffering is never good in itself, but God is able to use it for good. We see that, that, that God can use suffering to draw people into a relationship with Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote that God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And God is able also to use our suffering to bring us to Christian maturity. Even Jesus, it said, learnt obedience through what he suffered. And in the Bible, there are lots of images of how suffering can bring us to maturity of character. There's the image of, of the discipline of children, or of gold being refined in the fire, or of a vine being pruned in order to bear more fruit. And this is what I found in my own life. It's often in the times of hardship and difficulty and suffering that I, I think I've grown the most in terms of my relationship with God and character. It's said that mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. Back in 2017 at the Leadership Conference at the Royal Albert Hall, I interviewed Cardinal Tagle. He's the cardinal in the Philippines, pastoring tens of millions of people uh, and many of them suffering terribly. And in the course of that interview, he said something I've never forgotten. People who have suffered know how to smile. Take a look at this. You, uh, you, you smile a lot and you laugh a lot and you have a reputation for making the Pope laugh. You, you, in your meetings with him, because you're very close, you know, with all the meetings that you have. Yeah. Um, say a little bit about laughter, because that's a very important part of your ministry, isn't it? <laughs> it's to me, anyway. We've laughed so much together. Yeah. Uh, I have not developed a theology of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 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 but for me... Uh, it, it is part of uh, what I would call, in a more generic sense, uh, what I would call spirituality, mm. living in the spirit, uh, a sense of humor, a capacity to smile, a capacity to laugh, a ca the capacity to, to, uh, uh, to laugh at your own self, at your own uh, mistakes in your incapacities, uh, for me, is a, is a sign of, a, or is a call to, to be free, mm -hmm. uh, to be free in the spirit. Mm. Uh, for me, it's a profession of faith that uh, I, I am not the savior of the world. <laughs> and uh, the savior has already come. He has, he has died and has risen for everyone, including me. <laughs> so who, I, who am I to save the Savior, you know? So, uh, so I don't need a grim face. Uh, I, 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 could, I could laugh at my own mistakes. I could, I could take things seriously. I take Jesus seriously, but take myself and other things lightly. <laughs> it is a profession of faith for <laughs> me. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, I discovered that 
in the Philippines, including myself, we smile a lot, we laugh a lot, because we cry a lot. Mm. Mm. People who have suffered know how to smile. Mm. Those who... May, may, may I wipe mine? <laughs> yes, I would like to wipe mine too. <laughs> <laughs> then also, God is able to use suffering for good. St. Paul wrote that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And this is seen supremely on Good Friday because God took the greatest tragedy in the history of the world. And he turned it into the greatest victory in the history of the world. Bishop Leslie Newbigin said that the resurrection wasn't the reversal of a defeat. It was the manifestation of a victory. That victory took place on Good Friday. The defeat of sin and death and evil and demons all achieved by Jesus on the cross. And God can take, that shows that God can take any circumstances and use it for good. He can take this virus and use it for good. He didn't send the virus. The virus is not good, but he can use it for good. And already we're seeing ways in which, and of course there might be millions and millions of different ways, but just some examples. The sky is clearing over Wuhan because the pollution's gone, beginning to clear over, over Europe. All sorts of things happening. And just in our own domestic situation, we're seeing that, that God can take this situation and use it for good. We've always been friends with our next door neighbours, the Brompton Oratory, who are a, a, a Roman Catholic church um, that is very different in the style of worship to us, but we love them. They are our very good friends, the fathers at the Brompton Oratory. But this has brought us even closer together because we're working together. They, they wrote and offered all their volunteers to help with, with our charity, which is Love Your Neighbour, to serve food to the uh, doctors and nurses in our local hospital, for example. And we are working more closely than ever as a result of what has happened. And then all the things we're seeing, people clapping the National Health Service, people serving, the, our neighbours have been wonderful to us because we're in isolation, bringing us food. We are so grateful for the love that we've experienced. And what we're seeing is that, that what was thought to be impossible is proving to be possible. For example, Alpha Online. I've always said, oh no, Alpha would never work online. You need to be in person. Now we're running it online. And I found I've only done it for one week, but in some ways it's far better. You don't need to play the name game because you can see everyone's names on Zoom. And people can relax in their own home. People with, with young children can come and do Alpha when they might not have been able to do it before. They might not have been able to get childcare. There are people who, for other reasons, would never have come. Uh, but it's so much easier. They can just join us online. And it works so much better. We got to know our small group much faster than we would normally have got to know our small group. It really works. And we would never have done that if it hadn't been for this. So that's just an example of me being proved wrong once again, but also of good coming out of something that is not good. And just think about what could happen. What we've seen 
is, is that the world is prepared to make huge sacrifices in order to save lives, quite rightly, in order to save lives. But if that is the case, maybe some of the things that have previously been said to be impossible could be made possible. For example, it would require far less sacrifice than we're going through at the moment to deal with the issue of 25,000 people a day dying of starvation, 8,500 children. Maybe people will say, OK, well, let's, let's find a solution to that. And what about getting clean water to everyone? What about dealing with homelessness? The homeless are being put in hotels now. They're finding a home for them. Why can't we do that permanently? We could deal with all these issues because we're seeing through this that what seemed to be impossible is actually possible. And God works through suffering. Those who nailed Jesus to the cross intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. The cross is ultimately a victory because it holds the key to our salvation. And we're seeing that God gave himself on the cross. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And the, the Catholic priest who gave up his ventilator to save the life of a young person, he gave his life and Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And God is able to turn what was meant for evil for good. The fourth insight into why God allows suffering that we see from Good Friday is that God will bring you through it. Suffering does not have the last word. This will pass. The sufferings of this life will come to an end. St Paul wrote, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Another occasion, he said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our suffering is not going to last. This life is not the end of the story. If our hope is just in this life, we're not very secure. And I think our security has been challenged. We've had a full sense of security. We haven't lived through two world wars as our parents and grandparents did. The stock market's been booming. There's been steady economic growth. Seems like diseases were coming under control. And everything seemed to be very, very secure. But now we realise they're not secure. This life is very insecure. We, we start to look around at our global neighbours. We see the refugee camps that don't have doctors and nurses or test kits or uh, ventilators and where people can't social distance because their tents are three centimetres apart. And we begin to see just how frail life is. You know, everything has a beginning and an end. Uh, we look at a fly and we think that won't last long. The daffodils come out and within a few weeks they have died. But our lives are the same. It's like grass. It comes and it goes. And our lives are very fleeting. And we need to see the frailty of our lives. And I think this has helped to concentrate all of our minds on the frailty of life. And we need to see it in the context of eternity, which is vast. And God has all eternity to put things right and to compensate for our sufferings in this life. And the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He saw ahead to his resurrection and as a result to our resurrection and eternity with him. Much more about that on Sunday. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Let's take a moment now to reflect on what Jesus did for us on Good Friday. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. I'd encourage you, if you'd like to, simply to receive now. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. You may just like to put out your hands wherever you are in your home and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you. Lord, that's our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill each person who's watching this in their home. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. And enable each of us in our hearts to respond to the wonderful good news of Good Friday. That on that first Good Friday, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. You may want to just respond in your heart by saying to Jesus, who is actually risen from the dead. We'll be looking at that more on Sunday, but he's here with you. Jesus is with you always. He'll never let you go. He loves you. He can turn the bad things for good and he'll bring you through it. But right now, why don't you say to him, if you'd like to, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I want to turn away from the bad stuff that gets in the way of my relationship. Turn away from all that stuff. And I thank you that you made it possible for me to be forgiven and set free that first Good Friday. And now I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. And I ask you to come and fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with an assurance that you are a much-loved child of God. That you are in relationship with him, restored, forgiven, at peace with God. Let his peace fill your heart and your home today. Let his love Fill your heart. The knowledge that you are loved by God. He's for you. He's with you. He'll bring you through whatever difficulties you're facing right now. In Jesus' name.